kick back and get raw with us. From the latest hip hop beats, Basil. to social issues that cripple the black community, all from the perspective of a young, strong black woman. A strong black woman. And now your host, Rita. Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of According to RP on WJMS Media, powered by Black Ivy Media. It's your girl, Rita Pierre, your host, and as always, I hope you guys are striving, thriving, and surviving in these streets. So happy Sunday, everyone, and happy Labor Day weekend. So Labor Day weekend is a big thing up here in the New York City area, particularly Brooklyn, because of the West Indian Day Parade. Now, for the last two years, we did not have the West Indian Day Parade, obviously because of La Cuvida Maria. However, this year it is back in business, and I'm excited. I love going to the Parkway. You know, I know many of you are not big on the Parkway for obvious, you know, reasons, and I totally get it. But um, I am there this year, not there for the whole time, though. I am only there for a little bit. There to support my good friends, Laura Jean-Jacques, who is the owner of Zanset Tico and Nadesh Frilimont, the owner of Banan. So they both will be vending at the Parkway on Monday. They will be between New York and Nostrand Avenue on the south side. So they're going to be vending there. So I'm going to go there to support them. And also, you guys know, I always go for the Haitian floats. I am not on the parkway all day, guys. Those days have come and gone. I am only there for maybe an hour the most. But I always try to get there in time for the Haitian floats. The Haitian floats are usually the last float. So... I'm only there to see the Haitian floats. And then this year, I'm there to support my good friend. So I'm really looking forward to it. I am excited. I'm excited because I love the Parkway. I love my West Indian heritage. I love my Haitian heritage. And I feel like once a year, especially, that's when we can, you know, be out there and really showcase. So that is that. But I will warn those of you who are going to be out there doing Juve tonight and, you know, the parkway tomorrow. Be safe, guys. Leave your guns at home. Leave your weapons at home. Like, let's let's try to enjoy. This is the first one after two years of being locked down and paranoid about La Covida Maria, you know, COVID-19. Let's let's try to actually be. <laughs> let's let's I don't know. Let's let's be in community. Let's be in community, everyone. Community. But either way, guys, we have made it to the month of September. You guys know that I love this month because it marks the beginning of that end of year hustle. I feel like regardless of where you are in life, it's like once September hits, everybody's mind just clicks to grind mode, beast mode. And I love it. I love the energy that happens in September. And since we are in the season of Virgo, um, I've been hearing people refer to it as Virgo energy. It's that Virgo energy that's coming up here. And what does that mean? Organization, getting your shit together. That's what's happening in this season. And we we see it collectively, like even amongst my friend groups. And we all you know, come from different disciplines, but everybody is just like, yo, getting on my grind. We got to get on our grind. So I love that energy. So, so September is jam packed with awarenesses. And so this month, according to RP and Black Ivy Media, we are going to be focusing on suicide awareness, sickle cell, diabetes awareness, and a few others um, this month. So today we're going to talk a little bit about suicide awareness and just my thoughts on it and, and how we as a community can do better with respect to raising awareness, how we can do better as global citizens for being there for one another, for really 
really having this mindset. I think especially in the black community, we need to have this mindset of being your brother and sister's keeper. And I think that we are doing a better job of that. But I will say the last few weeks have been very, very eye-opening for me when it comes to this topic of suicide. I've always tried to raise awareness on my platforms every year with respect to the topic. It's something that I do hold near and dear to me uh, just because of my personal experiences that I think I've talked a little bit about on this show. For those of you who've been tuning into According to RP for the last four years, um, you've gained some insight on my life, but it's something that I, I've written articles on, I've written blog posts on because I think that people really need to understand what goes through the mind of an individual that contemplates suicide, right? And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But before we get into the meat of the show, you know we have our preliminary. So it is now time for the Urban Dictionary word or phrase of the week. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? May I have the definition? Um, what does keep keep mean? What's on fleek? Can you use it in a sentence? Popping on fleek, Jalit. And it's gonna be lit. Major key. It's time for the Urban Dictionary word or phrase of the week. This week's Urban Dictionary word or phrase of the week is text man. So text man means a man that you only text. You don't go on dates with them or hook up with them. Just have casual conversations until one of you gets bored and ghosts. Example, don't F your text man. He's just for text. Yeah, I have a few text men right now because I'm bored and I don't actually want to date them. Now, this is an actual thing. I don't know if anybody's calling them text man, but maybe they are. But it makes a lot of sense. I feel like Urban Dictionary, you've been on point for the last few weeks, back to back consecutively. Um, text man. I think that many of us, both men and women, I think there are text women too, but I think both men and women have individuals in their phone that they only text. They have no interest, no desire in ever meeting up with this person. They don't actually want to date them, but they enjoy the good morning, beautiful, the good morning, handsome, grand rising queen, grand rising king, text messages. What did you eat today? What's on the agenda? You know, the basics, right? I feel like there are individuals who love just having somebody text them and communicate with them on if it's not a daily basis, but you know, several times a week, just getting some communication and some interaction with one another, but they have no interest, no intentions of ever leaving their house, getting cute to meet up with anybody. Now, do I think that this is okay? I mean, I guess it is. If we think about pen palism, <laughs> if that is a term, I don't know if pen palism is a thing, but back in the day, for those of you, I guess, I don't know if this, I don't know, do Gen Zers even know what pen pal is? I don't even know. But for those of you who know what a pen pal is, right? Somebody that you wrote to, never met, probably would never meet, but you engaged in correspondence with them through, you know, through letter writing. I don't know if pen pals ended up jumping to like, you know, emails or whatnot, but there was a time when individuals only communicated through pen and paper. I know this is hard for many of you to understand, to even grasp the concept, but there was a time where people wrote letters. They wrote letters with a pen, put it in an envelope, 
went to the post office, bought a stamp, I know a stamp, put it on the envelope, dropped in the mailbox, and whoever was on the other side would get that message, you know, that that letter. They would read the letter. They would then respond in pen and paper and, you know, back and forth, back and forth. You guys get you guys get the the idea, right, of what writing a pen pal was like. So there was a time where we did that. And there again, there was no there was no interest. There was no idea that, oh, this person might one day be my husband, be my wife. It was just this correspondence with a stranger that you felt like you could talk to and engage with. It was a thing. So I feel like in modern day, uh, it's not a pen pal anymore, but I guess it's a text man or a text woman. The only, I have no problem with that. I think that is good for the soul sometimes to have a third party that, you know, you, you've, you've never met, but you feel comfortable talking to, right? I think that with everything going on in this world, it is important to have somebody that you can talk to. And, and many of us are not necessarily comfortable getting into therapy and speaking to a therapist, but maybe a text man or text woman could be it for you. My only caution for that is if, if you are somebody who enjoys text men, text women, right? You, 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 you're solely in it just to get, you know, text messages. You just want to communicate via text. You have no interest of actually going out. Let that person know. It's like, don't engage somebody in a text man, text woman situationship, leading that person to believe that one day you guys will actually meet in person and engage beyond the text message. Like, don't do that. And I feel like there are individuals, I feel like I've been engaged in a text man situation where all they wanted to do was just text and never actually ask me out on a date and go out. Like, we don't like that. Let's be adults here. If you are engaged, if you are wanting to just have a text man or a text woman, it's okay. I do not look down on it. In fact, I think maybe everybody should have one. But the other, the person on the other side of the text, the receiving party should be on the same page that we will never go out. We will never hook up. We will never engage in person or even maybe on a phone call. We will only communicate via text. And that is what it is. Do not lead people, you know, astray. Do not lead people on with the situation. But I think that, I don't know. I think this is a good definition. I think that it's valid. So that is the Urban Dictionary word or phrase of the week. So now we are on to our Haitian Creole word or phrase of the week. So this week's Haitian Creole word or phrase of the week is ou gan le fou. Ou gan le fou. I don't think we've covered this one. Ou you gan le must be fou. Crazy. Ou gan le fou, you must be crazy. Many of you have probably heard this at some point in a conversation, in an altercation. If somebody says ou gan le fou, that means they think that you're crazy or they're asking you, are you smoking crack? You must be crazy. That's what that's what that phrase is. And so depending, again, it all depends on the inflection, right? So if you're talking to your girlfriend, if you're in a group, you know, with men, women or whatever, and it's, you know, lighthearted, jovial, somebody might have just shared an anecdote about something and somebody's like, and there's like maybe a chuckle afterwards, you're good, you're safe. But 
if you are in some sort of heated debate or the tensions are high within the conversation or the setting that you're in and you hear somebody say, that you might want to run, right? You might want to run. You might want to exit stage left, stage right, stage up, stage down. You might want to, you know, excuse yourself from this conversation because it means that something's about to go down if this person is questioning your sanity, right? So today, I don't know, today might end the series of when do you need to run? I feel like we've had several weeks where we have been sharing uh, words and phrases and sound effects that might indicate danger. And I think it's time to go to some of the positive phrases, guys. I know you guys specifically want to know when should I run, but I think that there is so many layers. There's so much beauty to the Haitian Creole language. It's not all rooted in negativity, everybody. So I think next week we're going to go to something positive, but this week's word or phrase of the week is which will translate to you must be crazy. You must be smoking crack. Are you smoking crack? What is wrong with you? Um, all of that. So you're welcome. So now it's time for the big up of the week. So this week's big up of the week goes to the goat, the cabrit, Serena Williams. So for those of you who do not know who Serena Williams is, and if you do not, I'm not even sure you should be listening to this show. But either way, she is a professional tennis player. She has dominated the sport of tennis for the last 20 years, the greatest of all times. I mean... I don't know what else to say, but Serena is literally the GOAT. She is the greatest of all times. She is she is inspiring. So Serena Williams has announced to the world that she will be retiring from the sport of tennis. And as sad as that may be for those of us who are tennis enthusiasts, I am happy for her. I feel like she had a solid career. She's ending it on a high note. And all good things must come to an end. We cannot you know, continue on forever, right? I think that there has to come a point where you bow out gracefully. And I believe that she did. She bowed out gracefully with style, um, it was tact. And I am looking forward to whatever other ventures she has, you know, in mind to start and to or to continue or whatever that she she plans on doing. The reason why I wanted to big her up, one, because obviously she's trending and I think that it's important sometimes to jump on the trends and to give your perspective. But I think that she's trending for an amazing reason. Her life story, I think, has been an inspiration to all of us. Whether you like Serena as a person or her personality or whatever the case is, I think we cannot um, we cannot discredit her work ethic, um, her her strong will, her persistence. And I think that these are qualities and characteristics that are so important for our younger generation, especially to really observe and then at some point exude, right? I think it's important for little black girls everywhere to know that their dreams are possible. And I think that that's what Serena Williams has given to us as a culture, as a community, that with hard work and dedication, whatever you put your mind to will happen. It will take place. And I thank her for that because even as an adult, 
I sit here and there are things that I still want to do. There are projects I'm currently working on now in which I want to give up sometimes. I'm tired or I don't see the end goal or maybe I've fumbled the ball. I've lost. I failed. I fell. And sometimes I'm like, ah, you know what? I've fallen way too many times or it's only been a couple of years. Nothing is popping off. But I think that Serena's story, you know, especially watching the documentary or the, or the film um, on Serena and her life and also King James, I think it's important for us to understand that, you know, we're not always going to make it. We're not always going to win, but not to let that keep us from doing what it is that we love um, and really to just achieve the goal, right? At the end of the day, the point is we have a goal that we want to achieve and we're not always going to get it every time. We're going to miss the mark. And I think that her life story, um, you know, exudes that. And I, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to be part of a generation where I was able to experience this kind of greatness. So big up to Serena Williams. I don't know what she's going to do, you know, beyond tennis, but I think that her tennis legacy, whether you love tennis or not, I think that just as a life lesson, it's given us so much. So big up to her. So you guys know with every high, we always have a low. And this week's low goes to the Wendy William Trolls. Now, for somebody who's in media, I love all aspects of media, right? The good, the bad, the ugly. You don't always have to agree with some of these talk show hosts. You might not always love their style or their approach, but you have to give them their props where the props are due, right? Because at the end of the day, whether you liked Wendy Williams or not, this woman had the world captivated. People were tuning in for the hot topics, for the gossip. We gave Wendy Williams the platform to continue rising in the ranks. So re- not even recently, it's been, it's been some time. I mean, there's been a lot of Wendy Williams haters in the streets. And I understand it because when Wendy gets down and dirty, she gets nitty gritty. She gets into the sauce. In fact, she makes the sauce, right? She is, she can be messy at times, right? But This is the community and society that we live in. We love messy. We love, you know, all of this, all of the drama. We love all of the gossip. We want to know. We want to know what's going on. And Wendy is only giving the people what the people are asking for. So I go into this conversation because uh, my god sister, shout out to my god sister, sent me this video um, of this commentator who was speaking ill on Wendy Williams. And again, I understand people may have their ideas of her. They may have their sentiments. If you don't mess with her, you don't mess with her. That's fine. But I think that this narrative of, you know, oh, this karma, she deserves karma. She's getting karma for all that she's done. I feel like we need to be careful when, 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 when talking about karma, right? Wendy Williams has a disease. She has a degenerative disease. A degenerative disease degenerates you, right? So yes, she is looking like a hot mess right now. My heart breaks for Wendy Williams because I, I have been following Wendy Williams for years. I've always loved talk shows. I've always loved these radio shows. I've, I've been in tune with Wendy Williams for years. And she has always looked nice and thick, nice and tall. Like she has always been, you know, her face has been glowing. Like she was, she, she was, she was Wendy Williams. Now, unfortunately, she looks like a toothpick. 
she's sagging all over the place. She, I mean, she looks horrible. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. She looks a hot mess. She looks horrible, but she also is suffering from disease, right? She's suffering from disease. I believe also maybe some form of mental illness. She is not well. So the fact that people are taking this opportunity to celebrate the fact that she is deteriorating literally in front of our faces, right? Literally deteriorating in front of our faces. I think it's crazy. And then they're talking about karma, but I'm like, what do you think you're doing? You're doing exactly what I guess Wendy was doing, if not worse. So when we're talking about karma, what exactly are you trying to say when you are sitting here taking the opportunity to use your platform to come at a woman who is ill she is sick and i think that you know i because i hear it all the time karma 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 we have to be careful when we're talking about karma and we have to also like really be realistic like i'm sometimes i wonder you know when people create this content is it is it just for likes is it to go viral i guess it was because i got it um but we have to be careful about these conversations this is a woman whose career was based on gossip so, I mean, if she's, if that's her career, you better believe she's going to give you the top tier gossip. She's going to give you what people are not giving. She is going to go in, 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 in and give you the tea, right? That's what her job was. And we as a community supported this. We tuned in. Her ratings were always high because we were tuning in. She was able to continue to move forward with content because we were supporting it. If we as a community did not support gossip mongers and we did not support, you know, what some would consider, you know, ruining people's lives and breaking marriages and all other stuff. If we didn't support all of this, where would Wendy have a platform to continue moving forward? How would she become like the number one, you know, radio uh, personality, number one talk show? Where would she where would she get those accolades if we were not supporting her? If there was no audience, there would be no show. So before we go and we say that she deserves what she's getting because she was ruining people's lives, she was talking about people, that was her job. Her job was to talk about people. That's what she got paid to do. And that's what we supported her in. We supported her in her venture of talking about people. Talking about people is not always positive. Talking about people is also negative. And we particularly love the negative more than we love the positive. So I'm not saying this because I am a Wendy Williams avid follower and I'm team 100% Wendy Williams. I think that there were times that she went too far, but guess what? We wanted that. We love too far. We love too far. And she gave us what the what we loved and she gave the people what they wanted. So I think that, you know, we need to show more compassion and more empathy as a community. So, okay, so what? If she did what she needed to do to get the check, we supported her in doing that, but she's sick now. She is clearly sick. If anybody knew Wendy Williams at her prime, you think that she would purposely want to be out here in these streets looking like a hot mess? She is ill, both mentally and physically, and she's deteriorating. And I don't even know how long this lady has to live just based on the recent pictures. So I feel like we just need to stop. And I'm I'm, I'm tired of it, you know? So either way... <laughs> That was my rant because I saw the video. I saw the commentary that this young man made on her talking about, ooh, it's karma. You deserve this karma. You deserve what you get. You know, you're out here talking about people. But I'm like, sir, what are you doing now? 
And you're getting at a woman who can't, I don't even know if she could defend herself because she's ill. So we got to think twice. We got to do better as a community, guys. We got to do better. So that was the womp womp of the week, the Wendy trolls. So we're now on to the meat of the show. So earlier on in this episode, I mentioned that we are going to be talking a little bit about suicide awareness. September is Suicide Awareness Month and every year Black Ivy Media and according to RP, we try to do our best to raise the awareness around this topic. Suicide is still a taboo topic among the Black community. We do not want to talk about it. We do not want to address it. And it's really sad because in our community, suicide continues to increase, particularly amongst young African-American men. In fact, recent research has stated that between the years of 2003 and 2017, the number of suicides among African-Americans aged 5 to 17 have been at its highest, and it continues to be on the rise. And so a few weeks ago, I was privileged enough to be part of this training with an amazing group of individuals. Our goal, I think, for the most part, collectively and individually, was to really get from good to great. Many of us are doing good, but we want to get to great. We want to shift. We want to get to that next level in our lives. And a lot of times I would say being stagnant and just being at good has crippling effects. And it was so interesting to see how many individuals that were part of, you know, whether they were um, there to receive the training, whether they were there to assist in the training, facilitate the training, how many of us at some point in the last few years even, have contemplated suicide. And it's a very sensitive topic for me because I find that the world is not sympathetic enough, they're not empathetic enough, and they're not compassionate enough when it comes to this topic. And I think that there is this idea that because you appear to be killing it in the game, doing, you know, what you need to do, you're well off, that you don't experience moments of inadequacy and that you don't have moments where you wonder, is this it for me? You know, can you know, is it time to bow out, right? And I think I wrote an article years ago, I don't know how many years ago, but it's been several years, it's been a long time. But I wrote an article or more so a blog post years ago um, that talks about how suicide is oftentimes a rational choice. You don't have to be crazy to contemplate suicide. And I think that society has this idea that you have to be crazy in a sense to contemplate suicide, that you can't be a normal person. You can't be a regular functioning individual to contemplate it. And that if you appear to be somebody who's well put together and has everything going for them and you talk about your desires to exit this world that you are either looking for attention or you're looking for likes and clicks and essentially you're not believable. And that is such a dangerous approach for our society to take. And so being in that room with all of these individuals, some of them, you know, like powerful, world-renowned, 
um, again, different walks of life, talking about how last week they were going to end it all. It really touched me because I feel like I was within a community of individuals who understood me, who understood what pressures of life feel like, what they look like. And I didn't feel like I was alone in my journey called life. Now, I've talked about this, you know, in episodes, I think, over the course of the years, for those of you who've been tuning into According to RP for the last four years, you know, I try to be as open, honest and candid as I can about myself and my life and what it is that I do and and things like that. But, you know, the the topic of suicide, I think, is something that I I advocate for prevention. I advocate for awareness because it's real. It's real and it's it's living and breathing within our community. And it's so sad to see young, vibrant individuals full of life, full of potential, full of promise, get to a point where they say, you know what, I'm done. It is what it is. I can't do this anymore. Life is too hard and I wanna bow out. I wanna, I wanna exit stage left. So one of the things that I wanted to just share with everyone today, or one of the things that I, the the takeaways that I want to leave with everyone is that you matter, right? And in a world, especially in a world like this, right? In the era and the stage that we are in life, it is so easy to feel like you are inadequate. Social media is a blessing and a curse. We hear that all the time. It's a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because it opens our eyes up to opportunities. It allows us to engage and, you know, and experience the world through others' eyes. It can be a source of motivation, inspiration. It's a powerful tool, but it could also be a tool that can um, really bring out negative aspects of life. It can be a tool to diminish It can be a tool that can be used to bully, uh, to make you feel inadequate. So there's so many negativities to it because we live in such a society where comparison is really the name of the game. And social media really brings about this comparison nature, right? We get on our Instagram, we get on our Facebook, we get on our Twitter or whatever other mediums we use, and we are constantly being bombarded by individuals who are not being their true selves. They're not living their true selves. They're being fake online. But we don't know that, right? All we see is the beauty. All we see is the glitz, the glam, the amazing property, the trips. We we don't see their struggle. We only see their you know, their, their victories. Right. And so many of us get caught up in that. And we're just like, what am I doing with my life? What am I doing? This person just started their business two weeks ago. Now they're posting how they made $500,000 in sales in two weeks. What am I doing wrong? And we, and, and we really internalize this. And then we start to be down on ourselves and we start to think I'm not doing enough. I'm not important. Look at this person. Look at all the praise she's getting. Look at all the likes she's getting on Instagram. And she's not even saying much. And I've been saying and I've been doing and nobody recognizes me. What is my, my what is my purpose in life? What is my life goal? What am, what am I here for? And you know what? I'm tired. I'm tired of feeling inadequate. I'm tired of feeling like I don't matter. I'm tired. And I think that it's, I don't want to do this anymore. It's very, very easy to get to that point. And I think social media you know, 
people like to say you don't don't blame social media, but but there is blame in social media, right? There is blame in social media because it puts everybody's life on the forefront. And I think maybe we're not, maybe it's not the platform that we blame, but it's the individuals using the platform. I think if more of us were our authentic selves, showing both the good and the bad, the struggles, the victories, you know, really being transparent, really being honest about our life experiences. I think that, you know, maybe, maybe there would be less, I don't know, less of this, this, this feeling of having to compare and less of this feeling of, un, of you know, I don't matter, or I'm not doing enough because look at so-and-so who's doing X, Y, and Z. I feel like, you know, when it comes to these kind of topics, we have to really look at it through a community lens. We are our brother and sister's keeper. And I feel like as much as I see there are strides to get to that, I on the other side of the coin, I find that, you know, we do so much to kind of separate ourselves, to not really be in tune with one another and to not really support one another. I like to call it fake support. You know, a lot of times we get a lot of fake support from people because maybe if they think if they support us, maybe they can get a come up like the, Like it's not genuine. It's not authentic. And I think that if we were more authentic in the way that we engage with one another, that, you know, we would start to see a decrease, hopefully, in the number of individuals who commit suicide. I can say, you know, for me, the idea of just wanting to give up, not wanting to be part of this world anymore because you feel like you're inadequate and, and just not doing enough, it's, it's a thought that that happens more often than most people would think. A lot of people think that I have everything together and that, you know, everything is perfect. People think that I'm making money. <laughs> people, people have so many thoughts. It's always interesting to hear what people think I'm doing in these streets. And, you know, I create a lot of content. I do. I create a lot of content across several different platforms, but... I am not making money the way y'all people think I'm making money. I am not making money on any of my content. I will tell you that now. I make money from my nine to five job, but I don't make money from all of this content that you see. And I've been making content since what, 27, even before 2017 when I was a blog writer, but I never really understood how to really monetize my own thing. I didn't feel like I had the time and I don't feel like I have the time. So there's that, but people really think that I am like killing it in the game. They, they think that I have all of this stuff. But I really don't. And sometimes I feel like I'm not doing enough. As much as you all think that I'm doing, at least maybe once a week, once every other week, depending on what's happening with me mood-wise, I don't think I'm doing enough. And then I don't think I am enough, right? Because sometimes don't you don't, you're not thinking that you're enough translate to you not doing enough and vice versa. And this is a real thought. There are moments where I sit in my room and tears are flowing down my face and I feel like this isn't working. I, maybe I need to disappear, right? Maybe I need to go. Maybe I need to be just disconnect and everybody will forget about me, right? It happens. And even as I'm talking about it now, I get emotional because that is a real sentiment that I experience every single day. And I have amazing friends. I have amazing friends. I, I feel like I have a very good support system. 
across the board. My, I'm still connected with my law school sisters. I have my Bonita Bubble girls who are there. Like I can be so transparent. I don't have to hide anything from them. I have my my you know my my god sister who checks in on me all the time, even when I do not respond to messages. You know, I have, I have, you know, I, I have my core group of friends and I have my family members who do check in on me and who do, you know, want me to win. They want, they want to see me flourish. But even with all of that support, I feel like I'm alone a lot of times. A lot of times I feel like I am alone in this world and that nobody understands, or even if they do understand, they just don't get it. And they can't fix it. And being in the room with all of these dope ass individuals, you know, several weeks ago, it reminds it, it, it not reminds me, but it enforced, it reinforced, you know, in me that this journey called life, it's subjective. It is subjective. Some of these people who are giving their testimony, who are giving their, you know, their their story or sharing their story, I'm like, what? Girl, you're amazing. Like, what are you talking about? You don't matter. And it's so easy, right, for us to sit back and do that. And then when it comes to ourselves, though, we don't think we matter. So one of the things, uh, I keep saying one of the things, but... <laughs> One of the things that I got or, or or one of the many things that I received from that training was that it's a gift to want to live. The will to live is a gift and a blessing because although there were many of us who were sharing about, you know, our, our ups and our downs and our struggles with wanting to still be here, right? The struggle some of us go through every day to say, I still want to live and I still want to engage in the world is real. But it was also beautiful to witness and hear other individuals share about their joy of wanting to live, their joy of life, their joy of being present and how that will to live is a gift and how they understood that they're privileged they're speaking in privilege when they talk about this joy to live, this desire to live, and how they will not take that for granted anymore. And I thought that that was so beautiful. And I was like, wow, I want to get to a point where that is how I feel overall, that it is a gift to want to live, to desire to want to continue participating in life is a beautiful thing regardless of the ups, regardless of the downs, that I still want to be here because I know my purpose and I want, you know, to engage, right? I think that's beautiful. But it's still very difficult, especially for those of us who did not grow up in the best of settings, those of us who grew up dealing with depression and anxiety but had no idea you know, what we were actually experiencing. We did not name what we were going through as depression. We did not name what we were experiencing as anxiety because in our community, we do not talk about mental health. We do not talk about mental illness. It's taboo. If you talk about it, you're crazy. If you open up about it, you're crazy. And I think that we need to 
start moving in a better direction. There are so many efforts to push mental illness and mental health in our communities, you know, in the last several years. And I commend those who are doing their part, but it's still not enough because the suicide rate is still very high and it's still very high in our community. And I think that if we approach some of these issues as a community issue, we will make greater strides. And I say that because I feel like there is a lack of empathy and there's a lack of compassion and a lack of sympathy in our community. We are not as together as we used to be. We are not our brother's keepers. We are not our sister's keepers. Everybody is trying to live for themselves. And I get it because life is hard. Life is difficult. And sometimes you feel like it. you have to do things alone. You have to take care of self first. You cannot be concerned with what's happening with your neighbor, but we have to be, we have to be. Some of the ways that I believe our community can do better with respect to suicide awareness and prevention is to listen. Many times, People are crying out for help, but we are so consumed in whatever we want to be consumed with that we are not listening to these individuals who are crying for help. It, it baffles me sometimes when you hear um, stories about individuals who committed suicide and then you have their friends and their family saying, I would have never I would have never thought I can't believe this. This is so unexpected. This is so left field like she would never. I guarantee you that there were many instances where that individual was crying out for help, but you were not listening, either because you didn't want to, either because you didn't know how to, you were wrapped up in your own self, or one of the major things that I noticed, and it's happened even to me, people don't believe you. They look at your status, they look at, you know, they look at you, they perceive you to be something, and they automatically make this connection that, well, this girl has so many things going on for herself. Like, why would she even contemplate suicide? Like, she's just looking for attention. She's just looking for likes. He's just looking, you know, for something. But I don't believe them because they're a top lawyer. They're a top engineer. They're a premier actress. There's nothing that they want for. They make so much money. This person's just wasting my time. They're just looking for attention. Like that's all it is. I would say that that's the biggest thing that I've seen. I have been open and honest about my anxiety and my on and off bouts of depression. And I have had people in my life say, girl, you ain't got nothing to be depressed about. You ain't got nothing to be anxious about. Like, girl, just pray about it or just, you know, drink some green tea. You'll be fine. It's not that serious. Like you'll be fine. You know, and it diminishes your experience as an individual. And so, of course, you don't want to talk about it anymore, because if every time you want to open up or you've got the courage to open up about your experiences with mental illness, especially in a community that does not. I don't know if it's if it's we don't not uh, do not appreciate or or whatever it is, but in a community where mental illness and talking about anxiety and depression and suicide is so taboo, you, you, you mustered up the courage to talk to somebody that you, I would assume had some sort of confidence in and have that person diminish your experience by saying, girl, girl, bye. Or 
boy, like, you'll be fine. It's not that serious. You have nothing to be. You have everything. That's the worst thing you can do to somebody who opened up about their experience. It's the worst thing you can do because at that point, you have now shut that person up and the person may never speak again. And then we wonder why when they decide to take their life, oh my gosh, why didn't they talk to me? I would have helped them. Why didn't they, you know, reach out? They did reach out. You didn't want to listen or you determined in your mind that, well, this individual has nothing to complain about because they have X, Y, and Z going on for themselves. One thing that I'll say is it doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter how many how much possessions you own, right? How much you have, how many properties you have, you know, how your life is quote unquote going. You can have a picture perfect life and still feel feel empty inside. Hence why you see so many celebrities, so many top officials, so many people that society would consider at the top of their game, at the top of the totem pole committing suicide, leaving millions and millions and billions of dollars behind, like that, leaving fame and fortune and accolades behind like that. None of that matters when you are having an existential crisis of who am I? What am I? Do I even belong? These are real things that people process. And it's difficult to be part of a community that does not see that, that does not see the difficulty and, and that lacks empathy for individuals who are having these types of crises. It's hard. And so I think that if we would just sit back and listen, not insert ourselves, not give your opinions on like, oh, girl, let me tell you what you got to do to get over that depression, right? Right quick. Or let me tell you what you got to do. Like, you don't need to be killing yourself. Let me tell you what, what you got to do. If we could just sit back and allow the person to talk, to share, to be vulnerable, that would be the first step, right? That would be the first step because sometimes we just want to know that somebody understands where we're coming from and can hear us and see us for what we are and for what we're going through, right? I think that we need to be more empathetic. I think that we need to show each other more grace. And this is something that I still need to do, right? You know, I, I used to be very, very cutthroat with people, but I'm doing better now, right? I realize that our life journeys take us on so many different paths. We are not the same. We do not all have the same background, same life experiences. Therefore, that means we will not always know the right thing to do. We will not always know the best way to act. And sometimes we have to show grace and in showing grace, educate people on how we want to be treated, right? Now, if the person decides to still act up, then that's another story. But I find that we do not give each other grace. Like we talk about cancel culture all the time. We're canceling, we're canceling, we're canceling. And although I do believe that there's some aspect of cancel culture that should still remain because I don't think that we should tolerate certain behaviors that are just universally bad, right? But I do think that people make mistakes. People misspeak, people misstep. And sometimes we operate based on our what we, what we know, our surroundings, our upbringings, which for the most part could be very messed up. So if we showed one another more grace, I think that would also help because I've heard of situations and I know of situations 
where people decided that, you know what, they were already on the cusp. They were already on the brink of wanting to take their life. And then maybe they stepped back and said, you know what, I'm going to work on this project. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to try to make a change. And then there's a critic. Somebody criticizes their, their art, their work, that criticizes their life, inserts you know opinions that nobody asked for, did not show grace. And that was the catalyst that led that individual to say, you know what, I'm done. We don't know where people are in life, right? When I'm walking down the street and I see an individual, I don't know what that person is going through. I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know what their life has been like. I know nothing about them. And so sometimes we have to be careful in the way that we speak and the way that we engage with one another because we don't know. And I think that especially in our community, a community that is already filled with tensions, we're all on guard. Black men, black women, children, we are all on guard. Every day when we leave our house, like we are on guard because of the skin that we're in, right? That's already that. And then put on top of it, you know, we're dealing with, I mean, we're still dealing with COVID. A lot of us are still dealing with the aftermath of the peak of COVID, still processing loved ones who, who have lost their lives, still processing this, this current state of affairs that we're in with inflation being where it's at, a housing crisis that, 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 is, that we're currently in, and unemployment, there's so much happening on, on, on the mental health front. I think we all are dealing with some sort of mental health crisis at this moment because of our time locked in and how much life has literally changed in the matter of seconds. So there's so much happening. And I think that, I don't know, you know, maybe if we created more spaces for people to be vulnerable, to be honest to be candid about their experiences, a, a safe space with no judgment where we can really engage with one another to really get that understanding of what what we're experiencing. We, I believe that we would see a decrease. I believe that we would see a decrease. It's sad to me that young children are wanting to end their life, but I understand it. I understand it because when I was young, I also had these thoughts of, wonder what life would be like if I wasn't here at a very young age, internalizing because in our community, children a lot of times are not children. We are taking adult roles at very early ages. You know, you hear about six-year-olds cooking breakfast for their siblings because their parents have to go to work. You know, our children being molested, having to move through life with shame, having no outlets to really, you know, move through that because our community, we do not want to talk about molestation. We do not want to talk about incest. We do not want to talk about these things that are crippling our children. And these children grow up and we become adults still trying to heal, still trying to find worth through our trauma, right? So, you know, as we continue to raise awareness throughout this month, as we, you know, create our PSAs and as we, you know, engage, whether it's panels or whether it's just posts or whether it's just, you know, online forms, as we engage in trying to raise more awareness on suicide awareness and prevention, um, think about how you are participating in this collective, right? In this society. How are you showing up? How are you showing grace to others? How are you 
as a friend, as a family member, as a, you know, as a spouse, as a brother, as a sister, like, how are you showing up? How are you engaging with individuals who come to you for help, for assistance? Are you shutting them down? Are you that friend who's on that? Listen, girl, you're good. Are you that man who tells your girlfriend when she says, I'm feeling depressed right now. I'm feeling anxiety. You're like, you're fine. You're, you're just being a little extra. Are you that person? Because if you are, you're a part of the problem. And if you want there to be a true solution, if we want to see a decrease in these numbers, then you have to change yourself. You have to figure out how can I flip the script? And instead of being negative Nancy, negative Nathan, and be, you know, positive Petunia, positive Paul. I'm coming up with these names, but I'm not trying to be funny, but it is what it is. You know, how can I be, how can I be this person who is being a contributor in my society and not somebody who hinders, right? So that's what I would like for you guys to think about as we continue to raise awareness this month. And awareness is not just for September, but I do appreciate these months because it does give us an opportunity to refocus, to get, you know, to, to, to share information, to share knowledge and to really, you know, spread the word and, and to really get the awareness out that we need to continue being aware, thir- you know, 365 days a year. So not, you know, the most upbeat episode, but sometimes, you know, we, we have to be raw with it. We have to be honest with it. And, you know, we need to get to a point where we are creating content that is not just entertaining, but also motivating, inspiring, and can help somebody and can hopefully save somebody's life. So So thank you everyone for tuning into another episode of According to RP on WJMS Media powered by Black Ivy Media. Please remember to follow us on social media at Black Ivy Media at According to RP at WJMS Media. And with that being said, everyone, I will talk to you guys next week. Happy Labor Day. You were listening to According to RP on WJMS Radio. About time you tuned in. Tune in each and every Sunday. Can't wait to come back.